Continuing Season 2 of Christianity Without the Baggage, a safe and welcoming space for a fresh, uplifting perspective on the Christian faith. This is your host, Paul Neal. Here we dive deep into its essence, stripping away cultural norms, doctrinal debates, and divisive issues that often weigh us down. We focus on the love, grace, and transformative power that are in the heart of Christianity. We explore questions, share experiences, and journey together towards a liberating and inclusive understanding of a God of infinite love that was revealed by Jesus Christ. Remember, your spiritual journey is your own. Let's make it a beautiful one. Inspired by the words of the Christ who told us to lay down our burdens and come to the one who would give us rest. In this 17th episode, we will delve into a subject that for many of us Christians has deep mysteries, but it's undoubtedly filled with beauty. Prayer. If you've been following my podcast, you know I've been sharing with you my journey of faith. That journey began decades ago as an earnest prayer seeking answers to the many doubts that were filling my heart about the doctrines that were taught to me that just stopped making sense. I'm not going to get into them now, but I do cover them in earlier episodes. But this earnest prayer seeking wisdom, James 1.5, was most definitely answered as God has led and continues to lead me in this most fulfilling journey. This podcast is one of the fruits of that. So I have indeed experienced the joy of answered prayer, as I am certain so have you, dear listener. I am reminded of a dear friend of over 50 years, my old schoolmate Merrill. He and his wife Arlene had been praying for many years for a child and had tried everything humanly possible to make it happen, but to no avail. This was in God's hands now. Lee and I and our whole family together with hundreds. You see, Merrill and Arlene are a lovely couple with many friends here in Calgary and the Philippines. We beseeched heaven to grant their prayer. And so we all rejoiced with them when finally their beautiful daughter Leah was born. Leah just celebrated her first Holy Communion recently and is growing up to be a very smart and vivacious young lady. Truly a testament to answered prayer. Yes, indeed, it is a beautiful thing when we ask God earnestly for something and that request is granted. But you all know that is not always the case. There are times when our requests are not granted, and therein lies the mystery. When my daughter was dying, God had already given me peace with this inevitable outcome. I was experiencing what the Apostle Paul meant in Philippians 4, 7, the peace that surpasses all understanding. Of course, I and my family prayed earnestly and intently for a miraculous healing. But even as I did, I felt the comfort and assurance that she was in God's hands and therefore eternally safe. If I felt anxiety, it was more for our family, especially my wife and our grandchildren who were still babies. Then I got an urgent text from a sister in Christ who told me, Paul, you have to go to our hospital bed now and rebuke the spirit of death in Jesus' name. 
I knew she meant well, but I had really mixed feelings about this. In the many years I had spent as a Pentecostal evangelical, something like this was perfectly okay to do. We were taught that we have so-called authority of the believer to invoke the name of Christ, to command the spirits, and they must obey. So quite often in Pentecostal prayer meetings, you have people screaming sometimes at the top of their lungs, invoking the name of God to do this and do that as if God was some sort of genie that had to act on the spoken word. Oh, the foolishness of it all. Years ago, a purveyor of this belief, Morris Cerullo, conducted what he called a school of ministry in the Philippines where he claimed he could teach you to perform miracles and healing in the name of Jesus. As a very eager new Christian, I attended this event. The culmination was a gathering of thousands at the Big Luneta Grandstand in Manila. We who were now trained miracle workers formed special groups where we would seek out people who needed prayer and in Jesus' name we would heal them. The group I was with was especially militant. When a slight drizzle threatened to dampen the event, we gathered in a circle and yelled at the top of our lungs, asking God to stop the rain. Eventually, the rain did stop. Because yes, rain does stop. But no, we attributed this natural occurrence to our rebuke of the precipitation. We then spotted a rather overweight man in crutches watching from the sidelines. I'm sure he had heard that miracles were supposedly going to be performed at the Luneta Grandstand. Our militant group surrounded him and in screams commanded him to walk in the name of Jesus. One of us even grabbed his crutches from him. I look back at this now and if it wasn't so sad, so misguided, so cruel and so arrogant, it would have been funny. This poor man who obviously wanted so badly to walk, looked at us incredulously. It's like his eyes were saying, are you serious? Because unlike the miracle stories in the New Testament, he felt nothing was happening in his legs. But we were undeterred. We lifted this unfortunate soul from where he was sitting, propped him on his twisted legs in the middle of our circle, and continued to command him to walk. Morris Cerullo told us, we had the authority to unleash the power of God. We believed that if we screamed loud enough using the name of Jesus, our faith would heal this man. The cripple, once again, looked deep into our eyes. I cannot forget that look for as long as I live. It's like because he could see that we were speaking with such fervor, he had to be healed. But this time, tears were streaming down his face which was twisted in anguish. He managed a couple of what I would imagine must have been very painful steps, and he could no longer go forward. We lifted him back to the place where he was sitting, still assuring him his healing would come. We then left him, still grimacing in pain, and proceeded to look for somebody else we could heal. I look back at this now and wince at how utterly ignorant and clueless we were to believe this nonsense. And to this day, so much of this dangerous foolishness is still being heaped upon the body of Christ by misguided teachers preying upon 
gullible believers. In Daniel chapter 2, verse 21 and 22, it says, He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. In previous episodes, we explored how the deep mysteries of God cannot be understood with a dualistic mind because God is by nature non-dualistic. The dualistic view wants to put God in a box. God is this or that. He is there and we are here. Or God has to act in this way because he supposedly said this as recorded in the Bible. Remember when Moses asked God to give his name? A name identified you. Like when we want to know if a person is a liberal or conservative. Box you in so we know who you are. Well, God set old dualistic Moses straight right away. God answered, I am who I am. Tell them, I am sent you. A very non-dualistic response. One of the most quoted verses in the New Testament is Jesus' promise in John 14, 14. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. This assurance has been the cornerstone of many believers' prayer lives. Let's explore both dualistic and non-dualistic interpretations of this scripture. From a dualistic perspective, asking in Jesus' name is often understood as invoking the authority and intercession of Jesus in our prayers. It's like a child asking for something on behalf of their parent. The request carries the weight and authority of the one whose name it is made in. In this context, praying in Jesus' name is more than just adding in Jesus' name at the end of our prayers. It's about aligning our requests with his character, teachings, and will. The promises he makes are grounded in his mission of redemption, reconciliation, and restoration. Therefore, praying effectively in Jesus' name requires more than mere repetition of the phrase. It demands a heart in tune with his heart, a will aligned with his will, and our lives committed to his kingdom purposes. In the non-dualistic interpretation of asking in my name takes a slightly different angle. In this view, Jesus' name signifies more than just his personal identity. It symbolizes his divine essence or consciousness, that which he shares with the Father and indeed with all of creation. To ask in Jesus' name is to pray from a place of awareness and alignment with this divine consciousness within us. It's not so much about appealing to an external power as it is about recognizing and affirming the divine presence and power within us. From this perspective, verse 12 of the same chapter makes a lot more sense when Jesus said that we shall do even greater works than he did because he was going to the Father. In this context, Jesus' promise assures us that when our prayers are rooted in this divine awareness, they are in harmony with the highest good which God always seeks to bring about. It invites us to cultivate a deep, inward communion with God, transcending our ego-centered desires to align with the divine will expressed through Jesus. The key to understanding Jesus' promise is relationship, a relationship grounded in trust, aligned in purpose, and attuned to the divine presence, either perceived as distinct from us or inherent within us. 
When we ask in Jesus' name, we're engaging in more than a spiritual formula. We're participating in the divine love that Jesus embodied and to which he invites us all. Like I mentioned in a previous episode, the dualistic view is not without its merits. For one, it allows us to make sense of a lot of things in life, such as right or wrong, places to go, or places to avoid. But to only think dualistically is to severely limit our understanding of God, especially when it comes to prayer. So we need to balance both. The dualist takes literally the seek and you shall find, but the non-dualist will say yes, but in seeking God, you must seek with surrender. Let us explore the powerful prayers of six giants of the faith, three who pray dualistically and three non-dualistically. Saint Augustine of Hippo. Saint Augustine of Hippo, known for his profound theological insight and eloquent confessions, left us with a wealth of heartfelt prayers. One of his most well-known prayers is a testament to his profound humility and desire for God. Too late have I loved you, O beauty so ancient and so new too. Too late have I loved you, O beauty so ancient and so new. Too late have I loved you. You were within me, but I was outside. It was there that I searched for you. In my unloveliness, I plunged into the lovely things which you have created. You were with me, but I was not with you. Created things kept me from you, yet if they had not been in you, they would have not been at all. Confessions chapter 10 verse 27. Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa recognized worldwide for her selfless service to the poor exemplified a deep and intimate relationship with God in her prayers. Her do it anyway prayer, often attributed to her, beautifully reflects her unwavering faith and determination. People are often unreasonable, irrational, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some unfaithful friends and some genuine enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and sincere, people may deceive you. Be honest and sincere anyway. What you spend years creating, others could destroy overnight. Create anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, some may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today will often be forgotten. Do good anyway. Give the best you have, and it will never be enough. Give your best anyway. In the final analysis, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. Billy Graham. Billy Graham, a pillar of modern evangelicalism, often lifted prayers that displayed his reverence for God's sovereignty and his trust in God's love. In his National Day of Prayer proclamation, he prayed, Our Father and our God, as we stand at the beginning of this new year, we confess our need of your presence and of your guidance as we face the future. 
And so, our Father, we thank you for the promise and hope of this new year. And we look forward to it with expectancy and faith. This I ask in the name of our Lord and Savior, who by his death and resurrection has given us hope both for this world and the world to come. Amen. These prayers from St. Augustine, Mother Teresa, and Billy Graham encapsulate the depth of their faith, their reverence for God, and their unyielding trust in His divine providence. Through their words, they invite us into a deeper relationship with God, fostering humility, perseverance, and an unwavering dedication to God's will. Thomas Merton Thomas Merton, a Trappist monk renowned for his spiritual writings, beautifully expressed his non-dualistic perception of God in his prayers. His prayers often acknowledged the deep mystery of God's presence within. Perhaps one of his most well-known prayers from Thoughts in Solitude exemplifies this. My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I really know myself, and the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. Meister Eckhart Meister Eckhart, a German theologian, philosopher, and mystic, held a profoundly non-dualistic view of God. His prayers often emphasize the unity of the soul with God. Here's an excerpt from one of his prayers that beautifully reflects this understanding. O God, rid me of God that I may gain you. By ridding me of myself and anything lesser, I may receive you who are the uncreated one who created all. Yet remain what you were before, nothing less can satisfy. Julian of Norwich Julian of Norwich, an English Christian mystic, is known for profound spiritual revelations that emphasize the love and mercy of God. Her prayers often reflect her sense of unity with God and her firm belief in His compassion and goodness. A common prayer attributed to Julian reads, In you, Father Almighty, we have our preservation and our bliss. In you, Christ, we have our restoring and our saving. You are our mother, brother, and savior. In you, our Lord, the Holy Spirit, is marvelous and plenteous grace. You are our clothing. For love you wrap us and embrace us. You are our maker, our lover, our keeper. Teach us to believe that by your grace, all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. Amen. These prayers from Thomas Merton, Meister Eckhart, and Julian of Norwich exemplify the depth and riches of non-dualistic Christian spirituality. Through their words, we can glimpse the profound sense of divine unity and the transformative awareness of God's pervasive presence within and around us. Prayer is a mystery because God is a mystery. What we know of God is what God chooses to reveal to us. 
in our pursuit of God, that revelation continues to unfold. The beauty of prayer is not in its attempt to change God's mind, but that we are changed. And as we are changed, that which we see is beautiful, even when we don't get our way. As the Apostle James said, the prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. James chapter 5, verse 16. I'll see you again in episode 18.